Chapter Twelve of the Two Destinies. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. The Two Destinies by Wilkie Collins. Chapter Twelve The Disasters of Mrs. Van Brandt. A man who passes his evening as I had passed mine may go to bed afterward if he has nothing better to do but he must not rank among the number of his reasonable anticipations the expectation of getting a night's rest the morning was well advanced and the hotel was astir before i at last closed my eyes in slumber when i awoke my watch informed me that it was close to noon i rang the bell my servant appeared with a letter in his hand it had been left for me three hours since by a lady who had driven to the hotel door in a carriage and had then driven away again the man had found me sleeping when he entered my bedchamber and having received no orders to wake me overnight had left the letter on the sitting-room table until he heard my bell easily guessing who my correspondent was i opened the letter an enclosure fell out of it to which for the moment i paid no attention I turned eagerly to the first lines they announced that the writer had escaped me for the second time early that morning she had left Edinburgh the paper enclosed proved to be my letter of introduction to the dressmaker returned to me I was more than angry with her I felt her second flight from me as a downright outrage in five minutes I had hurried on my clothes and was on my way to the inn in the Canongate as fast as a horse could draw me the servants could give me no information her escape had been effected without their knowledge the landlady to whom i next addressed myself deliberately declined to assist me in any way whatever i have given the lady my promise said this obstinate person to answer not one word to any question that you may ask me about her in my belief she is acting as becomes an honest woman in removing herself from any further communication with you i saw you through the keyhole last night sir i wish you good morning returning to my hotel i left no attempt to discover her untried i traced the coachman who had driven her he had set her down at a shop and had then been dismissed i questioned the shopkeeper he remembered that he had sold some articles of linen to a lady with her veil down and a travelling bag in her hand and he remembered no more i circulated a description of her in the different coach offices three elegant young ladies with their veils down and with travelling bags in their hands answered to the description and which of the three was the fugitive of whom i was in search it was impossible to discover in the days of railways and electric telegraphs i might have succeeded in tracing her in the days of which i am now writing she set investigation at defiance i read and re-read her letter on the chance that some slip of the pen might furnish the clue which i had failed to find in any other way here is a narrative that she addressed to me copied from the original word for word dear sir forgive me for leaving you again as i left you in perthshire after what took place last night i have no other choice knowing my own weakness and the influence that you seem to have over me 
Dan, to thank you gratefully for your kindness, and to bid you farewell. My sad position must be my excuse for separating myself from you in this rude manner, and for venturing to send you back your letter of introduction. If I use the letter, I only offer you a means of communicating with me. For your sake, as well as for mine, this must not be. I must never give you a second opportunity of saying that you love me. I must go away, leaving no trace behind by which you can possibly discover me. But I cannot forget that I owe my poor life to your compassion and your courage. You, who saved me, have a right to know what the provocation was that drove me to drowning myself, and what my situation is now that I am, thanks to you, still a living woman. You shall hear my sad story, sir, and I will try to tell it as briefly as possible. I was married, not very long since, to a Dutch gentleman, whose name is Van Brandt. Please excuse my entering into family particulars. I have endeavoured to write and tell you about my dear lost father and my old home, but the tears come into my eyes when I think of my happy past life. I really cannot see the lines as I try to write them. Let me then only say that Mr. Van Brandt was well recommended to my good father before I married. I have only now discovered that he obtained these recommendations from his friends under a false pretense, which is needless to trouble you by mentioning in detail. Ignorant of what he had done, I lived with him happily. I cannot truly declare that he was the object of my first love, but he was the one person in the world whom I had to look up to after my father's death. I esteemed him and respected him, and, if I may say so without vanity, I did indeed make him a good wife. So the time went on, sir, prosperously enough, until the evening came when you and I met on the bridge. I was out alone in our garden, trimming the shrubs, when the maid-servant came and told me there was a foreign lady in a carriage at the door, who desired to say a word to Mrs. Van Brandt. I sent the maid on before, to show her into the sitting-room, and I followed to receive my visitor as soon as I had made myself tidy. She was a dreadful woman, with a flushed, fiery face and impudent bright eyes. "'Are you Mrs. Van Brandt?' she said. I answered yes. "'Are you really married to him?' she asked. That question, naturally enough, I think, upset my temper. I said, "'How dare you doubt it?' She laughed in my face. "'Send for Van Brandt,' she said. I went out into the passage and called him down from the room upstairs in which he was writing. Ernest, I said, here is a person who has insulted me. Come down directly. He left his room the moment he heard me. The woman followed me out into the passage to meet him. She made him a low curtsy. He turned deadly pale the moment he set eyes on her. That frightened me. I said to him, For God's sake, what does this mean? He took me by the arm, and he answered, You shall know soon. Go back to your gardening and don't return to the house till I send for you. His looks were so shocking, he was so unlike himself, that I declare he daunted me. I let him take me as far as the garden door. He squeezed my hand. For my sake, darling, he whispered, do what I ask of you. I went into the garden, and sat me down on the nearest bench, and waited impatiently for what was to come. How long a time passed, I don't know. 
my anxiety got to such a pitch at last that i could bear it no longer i ventured back to the house i listened in the passage and heard nothing i went close to the parlour door and still there was silence i took courage and opened the door the room was empty there was a letter on the table it was in my husband's handwriting and it was addressed to me i opened it and read it the letter told me that i was deserted disgraced ruined the woman with the fiery face and the impudent eyes was van brandt's lawful wife she had given him his choice of going away with her at once or of being prosecuted for bigamy he had gone away with her gone and left me remember sir that i had lost both father and mother i had no friends i was alone in the world without a creature near to comfort or advise me and please to bear in mind that i have a temper which feels even the smallest slights and injuries very keenly do you wonder at what i had in my thoughts to do that evening on the bridge mind this i believe i should never have attempted to destroy myself if i could only have burst out crying no tears came to me a dull stunned feeling took hold like a vice on my head and on my heart i walked straight to the river i said to myself quite calmly as i went along there is the end of it and the sooner the better what happened after that you know as well as i do i may get on to the next morning the morning when i so ungratefully left you at the inn by the riverside i had but one reason sir for going away by the first conveyance that i could find to take me and this was the fear that van brandt might discover me if i remained in perthshire the letter that he had left on the table was full of expressions of love and remorse to say nothing of excuses for his infamous behaviour to me he declared that he had been entrapped into a private marriage with a profligate woman when he was little more than a lad they had long since separated by common consent when he first courted me he had every reason to believe that she was dead how he had been deceived in this particular and how she had discovered that he had married me he had yet to find out knowing her furious temper he had gone away with her as the one means of preventing an application to the justices and a scandal in the neighbourhood in a day or two he would purchase his release from her by an addition to the allowance which she had already received from him he would return to me and take me abroad out of the way of further annoyance i was his wife in the sight of heaven i was the only woman he had ever loved and so on and so on do you now see sir the risk that i ran of his discovering me if i remained in your neighbourhood the bare thought of it made my flesh creep i was determined never again to see the man who had so cruelly deceived me i am in the same mind still with this difference that i might consent to see him if i could be positively assured first of the death of his wife that is not likely to happen let me get on with my letter and tell you what i did on my arrival in edinburgh the coachman recommended me to the house in the canongate where you found me lodging i wrote the same day to relatives of my father living in glasgow to tell them where i was and in what a forlorn position i found myself i was answered by return of post the head of the family and his wife requested me to refrain from visiting them in glasgow they had business then in hand 
which would take them to edinburgh and i might expect to see them both with the least possible delay they arrived as they had promised and they expressed themselves civilly enough moreover they did certainly lend me a small sum of money when they found how poorly my purse was furnished but i don't think either husband or wife felt much for me they recommended me at parting to apply to my father's other relatives living in england i may be doing them an injustice but i fancy they were eager to get me as the common phrase is off their hands the day when the departure of my relatives left me friendless was also the day sir when i had that dream or vision of you which i have already related i lingered on at the house in the canongate partly because the landlady was kind to me partly because i was so depressed by my position that i really did not know what to do next in this wretched condition you discovered me on that favourite walk of mine from holyrood to st anthony's well believe me your kind interest in my fortunes has not been thrown away on an ungrateful woman i could ask providence for no greater blessing than to find a brother and a friend in you you have yourself destroyed that hope by what you said and did when we were together in the parlour i don't blame you i am afraid my manner without my knowing it might have seemed to give you some encouragement i am only sorry very very sorry to have no honourable choice left but never to see you again after much thinking i have made up my mind to speak to those other relatives of my father to whom i have not yet applied the chance that they may help me to earn an honest living is the one chance that i have left god bless you mr germain i wish you prosperity and happiness from the bottom of my heart and remain your grateful servant m van brandt p s i sign my own name or the name which i once thought was mine as a proof that i have honestly written the truth about myself from first to last for the future i must for safety's sake live under some other name i should like to go back to my name when i was a happy girl at home but van brandt knows it and besides i have no matter how innocently disgraced it good-bye again sir and thank you again so the letter concluded i read it in the temper of a thoroughly disappointed and thoroughly unreasonable man whatever poor mrs van brandt had done she had done wrong it was wrong of her in the first place to have married at all it was wrong of her to contemplate receiving mr van brandt again even if his lawful wife had died in the interval it was wrong of her to return my letter of introduction after i had given myself the trouble of altering it to suit her capricious fancy it was wrong of her to take an absurdly prudish view of a stolen kiss and a tender declaration and to fly from me as if i were as great a scoundrel as mr van brandt himself and last and more than all it was wrong of her to sign her christian name in initial only here i was passionately in love with a woman and not knowing by what fond name to identify her in my thoughts m van brandt i might call her maria margaret martha mabel magdalen mary oh not mary the old boyish love was done and gone but i owed some respect to the memory of it if the mary of my early days were still living and if i had met another would she have treated me as this woman had treated me never 
it was an injury to mary to think even of that heartless creature by her name why think of her at all why degrade myself by trying to puzzle out a means of tracing her by her letter it was sheer folly to attempt to trace a woman who had gone i knew not whither and who herself informed me that she meant to pass under an assumed name had i lost all pride all self-respect in the flower of my age with a handsome fortune with the world before me full of interesting female faces and charming female figures what course did it become me to take to go back to my country house and mope over the loss of a woman who had deliberately deserted me or to send for a courier and a travelling carriage and forget her gaily among foreign people and foreign scenes in the state of my temper at the moment the idea of a pleasure tour of europe fired my imagination i first astonished the people at the hotel by ordering all further inquiries after the missing mrs van brandt to be stopped and then i opened my writing desk and wrote to tell my mother frankly and fully of my new plans the answer arrived by return of post to my surprise and delight my good mother was not satisfied with only formally approving of my new resolution with an energy which i had not ventured to expect from her she had made all her arrangements for leaving home and had started for edinburgh to join me as my travelling companion you shall not go away alone george she wrote while i have strength and spirits to keep you company in three days from the time when i read those words our preparations were completed and we were on our way to the continent. End of chapter 12